Welcome to Tales from Avistrum, Betrayal, Episode 3. Anastasia Boudreaux of the Department of Mysteries paced back and forth in her office, a piece of parchment in hand as she shook her head at Mordecai Argeletum of the Timernak School and Evie Bradford of Avistrum Academy. She knew that investigative work takes time, but the information they'd gathered about the Fountain of Youth in the past 48 hours wasn't much more than they already knew. This is all we've got. Unfortunately, yes. We even went and researched the Library of Alexandria, but it's all information we already had from other sources. The only way to learn much else at this point is to study the fountain up close. But even then, if we knew where the new location was, it could be years before we find anything new. And the only person who did spend years studying it is aiding Cristalla. She shook her head angrily at the thought. Anything else? Using your resources, we did manage to dig up some information on Cristalla's activities over the last decade. We weren't able to pinpoint what the French may want with the fountain, but we were able to piece together a solid list of all the places she infiltrated. Mordecai handed Anastasia another slip of parchment. Beaubaton, Durmstrang, Hogwarts. Basically every major school of magic in Europe and North America. And she enrolled as a student at each one? Consulting the registration at each of the schools, we believe that yes, that is the case. Anastasia pinned the list to her board, the lines shifting and moving as she did so. She waved her hand across the board, and it shimmered into a map of the United States. Maldraco is tracking down Cristal's location as we speak. In fact, he should be reporting back at any moment. A sound like ice cracking in the sudden heat interrupted Anastasia. She raised her wrist and watched as the bronze bracelet turned to dust. A red light suddenly appeared on the map in front of her, flashing brightly in Arizona. Going east, huh? <sighs> Cue. Um, was that Maldraco's bracelet? Mordecai asked. Yes. And it appears he just gave away Cristal's location. We need to act quickly. Suit up. Yes, excellent. Evie said excitedly. Oh, I don't really know about that. I can't trust bringing in other agents without a full briefing, which we don't have time for. And the only field agent I did have just switched sides. Besides that, your familiar faces, which could help de-escalate the situation. We're leaving in five. She turned on her heel and strode out of the room. Oh dear. An eerie calm had ascended over the desert as twilight fell, broken only by three soft pops as Anastasia, Mordecai, and Evie aberrated into the evening air. Desmond Q. Kubrick's lab loomed about 50 yards in the distance, a low squat adobe building framed by the deep blue sky. Two windows were visible on the side of the building nearest them, soft light from inside illuminating the ground. It's awfully quiet. Look alive. Remember to stick to... Suddenly... 
A loud bang came from the building, and the windows filled with light like the flashbulb from an old camera, blinding the three momentarily. They heard another whooshing sound, and Anastasia could make out what looked like a green jet of sparks briefly in the window to the left. They heard shouting from inside. What on earth is that? It sounds like... spell work. Everyone, stay low and move fast. We need to get in there. The three moved swiftly across the rocky sands, drawing wands as they went. Another shout came from the building, and a red light steadily grew in the windows, fading as they reached the side of the building. Mordecai peeked around the side of the window, peering in for a better look. It looks like there's... Before he could finish, they heard another shout from inside, and a fireball shattered the window, igniting the evening air with a jet of flame. Ah! Mordecai! Mordecai stumbled a few feet away, throwing his hat on the ground and stomping out the flames that engulfed it. Are you all right? Mordecai looked at the two women sternly. Yes, but they owe me a new hat. Evie smirked. Anastasia gave a wry smile. Then let's get in there and collect, shall we? Indubitably. They crept to the door around the side of the building. Anastasia pointed her wand at the keyhole of the door and whispered, Lo, Hamora. The lock clicked open, which actually surprised her. She was too paranoid not to have word of the door. Had Chrysala and Trent broken in? She took a step back and with a slight grab kicked open the door. Keeping low, the three moved quickly to find cover. A fierce wand battle was taking place among the shelves, boxes, and crates that littered the lab. A jet of silver spark shot across the room and papers exploded from the drawers of a filing cabinet and fluttered to the floor. A voice shouted from the far side of the room. My research! If you make me lose any of that, you dirty... Q, not now! Maldraco Devante, a special agent of the Oro Service, admonished Kubrick. A blue jet sizzled across the room, disintegrating a picture on the wall behind where they had heard Kubrick and Devante's voices. That's it! Stop wrecking my lab! Kubrick popped up from behind a crate with a strange device in his hands that looked like a muggle rifle. He shouldered it and pulled the trigger. In rapid succession, jet after jet of red energy shot across the room toward the shelves. Glass vials and boxes on the shelves exploded with each spell. What is that? I've never seen it before. A hand reached up and pulled Kubrick back down behind the crate. The only one destroying your lab at the moment is you. Now stay down. You act like you've never been in a spell fight. A woman's scream pierced the air. A figure in a black hood came out from behind the shelves with Cristalda Coles, the Avistar teacher whom Anastasia had come to arrest in a chokehold. Two more cloaked men abandoned their hiding spots and ran to him. We have what we need. Go! The three men raised their wands to apparate and... Nothing happened. 
What? Trent Vortigern, the Adderstrom Potions professor, stepped into view from the corner of the lab, arms calmly at his side, wand in hand, his signature bowler hat pulled low on his brow. I believe there's a counterspell preventing you from leaving just yet, gentlemen. The cloaked figure wheeled around, pointing his wand at Trent and holding Crystalla in front of himself as a shield. Stay where you are, and no one gets hurt. Trent! What are you doing? Get down! I told you, Desmond. I no longer fear death. That's too bad. Avada Kedavra! Trent ducked as green smoke screamed by, barely missing him, and left a charred spot on the wall behind him. He began walking forward deliberately, pointing his wand and shouting, Stupefy! The spell slammed into one of the cloaked figure's chest. He crumpled to the floor. <laughs> Cristalla put an elbow into her captor's stomach. In one move, she dropped to her knee and flicked him over her shoulder. He landed on his back with a thud. She pulled back and landed a thunderous punch across his jaw, knocking him out instantly. The third figure raised his wand toward Trent. Avada Kedavra. Another jet of green smoke screamed across the room, this time finding its mark, hitting Trent squarely in the chest. Trent stood rock still for a second, his wand dropping to the floor. His expression went slack, and he slowly dropped to one knee, and then to the floor. What? No! No! It was as if everyone else in the room seeing this happen thought as one, though no one spoke. Maldraco, Q, Anastasia, Mordecai, and Evie all popped up from behind their hiding places as one and in unison shouted, Stupefy! Five red spell jets hit the last cloaked figure at once, their combined impact propelling him as if shot from a cannon through the nearby window. As everyone else stood silent, Cristalla scrambled across the floor to Trent's lifeless form. Trent, no, 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 no! She pulled him to herself, cradling him while fighting back tears. Anastasia and Rodrigo looked at each other before raising their wands. You, you betrayed me and now a man is dead. That's not what's happening. We need to talk about this calmly. You sided with traitors. There's nothing to discuss. Anastasia, this isn't what it seems. Kubrick interjected. There are larger forces at work here. Evie had made her way to Grisala and Trent, kneeling beside them and waving her wand over him as she feverishly whispered spells. The only way this ends peacefully is if you surrender now. Fine, we surrender. Maldraco grabbed Q's wand from his hand and tossed both of their wands towards Anastasia's feet. Can we talk now? Evie? Mordecai said her name in a pleading fashion, as if imploring her to do what he knew to be impossible. Evie gave no indication she could even hear him, already intensely focused on the task at hand. What do you mean there are larger forces at work? 
Anastasia stepped forward and picked up both of their surrendered wands, though she continued to keep hers trained on Maldraco in queue. Do you know the name Damaris Vakuli? Vakuli. They're a ghost, a legend, a fairy tale. They're a story that parents tell their kids to get them to behave. You'll have to do better than that. Evie. Mordecai said her name once more, gently pleading with her again, but but now for her to give up a hopeless task. Evie stopped whispering, closed her eyes, and dropped her chin to her chest. She reached out and placed her hand on Trent's and looked at Cristala with tears in her eyes. I'm sorry. Cristala nodded solemnly. She slowly moved from under Trent, tenderly placing his head back on the floor and stood. She turned and faced Anastasia, taking a deep breath. Vakuli was my contact when I was an operative. Anastasia turned her head sharply towards Cristala. What? That's, that's impossible. I assure you, it is not. Asasi worked for the French Ministry in a clandestine department, but I no longer think that's the case. Maldraco and I had run-ins with Vakuli when we were working special ops. They were connected to something larger, but definitely not the French government. Connected to what? We don't know. We could never find out exactly what it was, but it was deep and sinister. They're very real, Anastasia, and they're a definite threat. Evie and Mordecai started to corral the cloaked attackers. As Evie dragged one of them to the side of the room, Mordecai cast Levicorpus and skillfully guided the third stunned figure's body back through the shattered window to lay next to his confederates. Evie began casting binding spells to make sure they couldn't escape. Mordecai spotted something on one of the assailants' arm. Anastasia, look at this. Mordecai pulled up the rogue's sleeves, revealing an identical tattoo on each of their right forearms. S-P-Q-R was written in big serif letters of purple, ringed by olive branch clusters that glittered in gold. Senatus Populusque Romanus. The motto of the Roman legions. Fascinating. I've never seen tattoos like these before. I have. Me too. On Vakuli's arm. The Aurors shared a grim look with each other. Anastasia nodded, turning back to Cristala. Cristala, whether Vakuli is part of the French government or not, you still committed treason against the United States. Yes. And for that, I will turn myself in. Just not now. Why not? I need to track this down. There's information I have that no one else does. I need to get to the bottom of this. Why not tell me what you know and I'll track it down. I don't trust anyone right now and the the one person I did trust is now. (laughs) Cristela choked back a sob. She couldn't believe what had happened because now Trent was... What exactly happened to the person you trusted? Everyone in the room froze. 
staring at each other with wide eyes as if they'd heard a ghost. It's like I can still hear him. What? Trent Fortigern was sitting on the floor cross-legged, his bowler hat on his knee, fingers entwined across his stomach, very much alive. He looked almost serene what? until he was tackle-hugged by Cristala. Oh dear. <laughs> how, how could this be? I, I thought you were... Dead? As the great Mark Twain said, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. You said, I no longer fear death. Several times. Yes, an unexpected side effect of my extensive work and experimentation with the waters of the fountain. You can't die? I don't know that for sure, but nothing since has killed me. Today was the first killing curse. I guess I can cross that off the list as well. Crystalla strode to Anastasia, placing her hands on Anastasia's shoulders. This, this changes everything. I have to keep working on this with Trent. If these people find out that he's essentially immortal, they'll stop at nothing to extract every last memory from him and from me. We have to go underground and we have to keep moving for our own protection. I don't know. Anastasia? For what it's worth, I trust her. She's up against something larger than either of us, or the department. I agree. If it's what I think it might be, it's a threat to every government on Earth. She needs our help. And that's why we got into this business, isn't it? Anastasia gazed at the ground, mulling things over. She exchanged looks with Evie and Mordecai, who nodded their agreement with the others. After a few moments, she looked at Cristala. Okay, I'll let you go and help you with intel, but you have to keep me in the loop, and you have to agree to turn yourself in when this is over. Deal? Cristala looked at Trent, who smiled and placed his hand on her shoulder. Thank you, Anastasia. Cristala and Anastasia shook hands. <laughs> yeah, don't thank me yet. I can be a mean boss. Ain't that the truth? Maldrico half whispered to Q. I heard that. Dang it. How did she hear me? Maldrico, Q, let's get these guys back to Salem. A sound of shoes scuffling on the floor drew their attention back to the bad guys. One of them had maneuvered so that he was pressing his nose to another one's tattoo. With the sound of a whooshing wind, all three suddenly vanished. What? What happened? I, I thought this place was shielded. It is. That's some powerful magic. If it can get through the wards I have in place here, it's a lot more powerful than what the French Ministry has. Can't be sure of what they heard. Let's meet back at my office at Avistrum. I have an idea that will help safeguard Crystal and Trent while they're off-grid. The rain pattered softly on the stained glass window of Anastasia's office. The six of them stood around the desk. Anastasia leaned against the oak surface, tapping her finger absentmindedly against the polished wood as she addressed the group. So, 
We can put you both in kind of a sort of protective service, eliminate any paper trail that could lead to you. You will likely need to remain constantly on the move, and I would prefer that I be your only point of contact for safety. I know that isn't easy, but we can't risk them using anyone outside this group against us. That makes perfect sense. And Trent, I am sorry to do this. However, we cannot risk them gaining the information you have on the fountain if they happen to catch you, especially considering we don't know why they want it. We are going to need to extract that knowledge from your memory for the time being. If all goes well, it will of course be returned when this is all over. Trent shifted a bit uncomfortably at that notion, but sighed and nodded. Yes, of course, I understand. Will you be protecting the information yourself, then? I don't think that's a good idea. They now likely know how to get to everyone in this room. Agreed. I just haven't figured out how to approach that yet. Oh! What about a Fidelius charm? We can extract Trent's knowledge. Then, Anastasia, you could choose someone whom you trust to take Trent's memory and be the secret keeper, who is also not directly involved in this mess, so that, uh, whoever these people are would have no reason to go after them. Ah! I have just the thing! My individually visible ink! The group blinked them, obviously awaiting context. Ah, still working on the name. It works exactly how it sounds, though. Anastasia would write the secret keeper's name with the ink, and only she could see the name she wrote down. Oh. Then for an extra measure, after she writes it, she can give the paper to another person to hold on to. Yes. That way, when the time comes, whether to reobtain the information or to ask the secret keeper to move it again, the name can be handed back to Anastasia. And... After she gives the name to someone to hold on to, she can extract and destroy the memory of who she chose as a secret keeper. Wow. It really pays off to have a bunch of nerds just jammed into one room, doesn't it? Nerd magic. Nerd magic. magic. Okay, anyway, let's keep moving. That's enough of a runaround that even if they manage to figure out our plan, by the time they piece it together, we would hopefully have a shiny new hiding spot for the information. Well, we have our plan then. Crystalla, while you and Trent are in hiding, I am going to work on clearing your name with the U.S. government. We don't need them going after you on top of all of this. Thank you, Anastasia, Crystalla said, squeezing her hand in gratitude. Evie, Mordecai, Maldraco, and you too, Q. I would like to keep this team running. I'm going to need help digging into these people, and I'm now very limited on who I can trust. You've all proven your loyalty during this mess, so I'd rather keep it among the six of us. Just let me know how I can help. Oh yes, of course. Anything to help you and to clear this all up for Crystalla. Honorary secret agents? <laughs> I'm in. You know I got your back. Anastasia glared at him briefly. Okay, look, I technically still had your back. Anyway, I will be reaching out to all of you as soon as I wrap up the loose ends and destroyed my memory of the Secret Keeper. Trent, Crystal, let's not waste any more time. Let's extract some information and get you on the road. Let's, let's get, get started. started.
The narrator is played by Stephanie Prue. Anastasia Boudreau is played by Rachel Finley. Mordecai Argeletum is played by Barry Ludwig. Evie Bradford is played by Elizabeth Huntinghake. Desmond Kubrick is played by Jason Cusenberry. Maldreco Devante is played by Matt Sumter. Cristela Coles is played by Krista Colasar. Trent Vortiger is played by Eddie Detlefs. The Cloaked Miscreants are played by Chad Patton, Mike Ashley, and Cody Miller. There are three paths presented to you. The blue flame has the great risk, correct? Are you sure, Sophie? I foresee a path you can understand, let alone tread, but you will have to walk yourself. I am no stranger to being alone. I I know it better than anything else. Ambush! Vix left a note saying they were going to explore and- For all intents, I should have you exiled. Here with us now, the sunless. <laughs> This is blood. Are your minds made up too? Then step into the room behind me, adventurous. I wish you find what you seek and can heal your world. Dice Tower Theater, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for joining us for Tales from Avistrum, Betrayal. For more info, please visit our website at www.avistrum.org, visit our Facebook page, or search for Avistrum on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stand tall and raise your wands high. <laughs>